This podcast is an examination of the historical research of William Branham and his message cult following. William Branham was a minister in the gambling town of Jeffersonville, Indiana, just across the river from Louisville, Kentucky, as early as 1933. He came in contact with the Reverend Roy E. Davis, an official spokesperson for the 1915 Ku Klux Klan, and later Imperial Grand Dragon of the Ku Klux Klan. Davis introduced Branham to the Pentecostal faith and the art of faith healing, which would later be introduced into Branham's stage persona as he took his place among the evangelists in the post-World War II healing revival. Branham is credited by some as being a catalyst for the Latter Rain Movement and Jim Jones of People's Temple. This podcast is not sympathetic to the views of the Ku Klux Klan that William Branham held, but it is disturbing and warrants research. This podcast is an examination of that research. You can find more about this research and other topics on the website william-branham.org. Join us as we turn back the pages of time and examine the controversial issues of William Branham and his message. William Branham told many stories throughout his ministry, many of which were very similar to what we find in our Bibles, but almost all of which were filled with extra-biblical details or twisted in some way to fit the underlying agenda. And having been taught under men who followed John Alexander Dowie, a man who promoted himself as the Elijah for the last days, it's no wonder that a Bible story that was twisted the most was that of Elijah the prophet. In fact, I would be willing to wager that not a single person in the cult who was raised with the teachings of William Branham could accurately describe the life and times of Elijah the prophet according to Scripture without any non-biblical details or events that had been changed into something else. Branham mentioned the name Elijah over 1,773 times on recorded tape almost like a hypnotist repeating a phrase over and over and over for his patience. Had God been promoted instead of William Branham himself, this might not have been so bad, but to promote himself, the story must change. The very first time that William Branham mentions Elijah, he told the story backwards. 1947, he says, Elijah the prophet, they were God's gift. Many of them raised up false prophets. Right in the days of Elijah, they raised up false prophets. But God testified, listen to that, God testified of the prophecy of Elijah. If it's of God, God will testify of it. And there was Elijah, he was God's gift to Israel. Do you believe it? 1947, faith is the substance. God did not testify of his prophets. His prophets spoke with his voice. And they were vindicated through evidence that God's voice was actually speaking. Because what God spoke through his prophets came to pass. They were nothing more than mouthpieces, men like you and I who God chose to speak through. They were not 
God's gift to the people. They were God's voice to the people. And they generally spoke of the idolatry that the children of Israel had fallen into. He went on to say that Elijah was Jezebel's pastor, an idea that he promoted throughout his ministry so that he could get away with condemning women for extra-biblical laws or rules, such as painting toenails or wearing eyeshadow. Jezebel was from the city of Tyre, a city that was filled with worship of Melkart, a god that would spread into Rome and later become known as Hercules. Tyre was a port city that had great influence over the ancient world. And as the different pagan cities began commerce, the pillars of Melkart morphed into the pillars of Hercules. And this worship was the greatest evil. Humans were sacrificed at the foot of the pillars on the altar of Melkart. Coincidentally, <clears throat> believe it or not, the eagle was included in worship of Tyrian Heracles. The, the eagle was the bird of sacrifice to many gods in the city of Tyre, including Poseidon, Zeus, and more. But in Branham's version of Elijah, the man Elijah was the object of worship. He was not just a mouthpiece for God. He seemed to have some sort of a Midas touch. One extra-biblical detail was the strange idea that everything Elijah touched became blessed, and Elijah started to rely on that rather than God. He says this in 1947 Experiences, Just like Elijah, he took his staff and told Gehazi, Go lay it on the child, for he knew that what he touched was blessed. This new addition to the story is very strange, and it's blatantly obvious that Branham had no idea what was in the scriptures that he was referring to. Gehazi did touch the child with his staff, but the staff evidently was not blessed because it had no effect on the child. Even more to the point, this is the story of Elisha, not the story of Elijah. Gehazi went, up, went ahead and he laid the staff on the child. But there was no sound or sign of life. Therefore he returned to meet and told him the child has not awakened. And when Elisha came into the house, he saw the child laying on his bed. So he went in and shut the door behind the two of them, listen to this, and prayed to the Lord. Then he went up to lay on the child, putting his mouth to his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, his hand on his hands. And as he stretched himself upon him, the flesh of the child became warm. 2 Kings 4. Notice what just happened here. The staff had no power. Elisha had no power. But Elisha closed the door and prayed to the Lord. The Lord is the one with the power. <laughs> Notice after promoting Elijah as some sort of a sorcerer, Branham injects himself into that same story. He even uses subliminal messaging to tie the story that he claims to have happened in his own life to the story of Elisha, not Elijah, of the Bible. He even names his patient Elijah, and he repeats it three times. He says this, 
the doctors knew he was dead. I went to offer sympathy to the family and started out of the house, the wife seemingly crying of the man. And as I started out the door, a human hand seemingly touched me by the arm, and I felt it hold me. And as I started forward, I could not move. And when I turned back, the hand left me. I went to the bedside and looked down upon the man. There was a Methodist minister's wife in the room and another sister. And I started to have prayer. When I came to myself, listen to this, I was laying on the man's body, the dead man. He had a sheet over his face for half an hour. My face was lying against him, and I was calling out into the spirit land. In other words, I was searching for the dead, which is another law that Moses spoke against, worthy of stoning. He says, I was calling out into the spirit world. I was calling brother Elijah. His name was Elijah. Brother Elijah. Three times. Calling out into the land of the spirit, searching for the dead, not knowing what I was doing. In a few moments, I laid still calling. I felt that man's hand coming around my ears. The man was working on the Pennsylvania Railroad tonight alive. 1948, The Angel of the Lord. Now, this may offend some, and they, many may pose the question, what if this did happen? But remember, the spirit of Elijah, if it was really in William Branham, that same spirit would know that Branham's version of Elijah was not scriptural. That same spirit of Elijah would be a spirit of truth, not of fiction. Because that spirit would have been sent from the Lord. Even the story of Elisha was twisted. In Branham's version of a prophet, the prophet was the one of authority, not God. The prophet had the power to make God speak instead of the scriptural version of a prophet. In the Bible, the prophets spoke because God used them as a mouthpiece. But in the fictional stories by Branham, the prophets continued to command God to speak. He says this, Like the garment of Elisha, when Elijah dropped it, Elisha picked it up and had a double portion. He was a type as a type of the church and Christ. Christ was taken up. And that same spirit that was upon Christ is on the church tonight, the Holy Ghost. See? Nevertheless, if you seen me go away, said Elijah, and he took the garment. Listen to this part. Now he struck the Jordan and said, Let the God of Elijah speak. 1948, the angel of God. These words that William Branham put into the mouth of Elijah in his fictional version are not in the Bible. Elisha did not command God to speak. He asked where God was. 2 Kings 2 says, He took the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and he struck the water, saying, Where is the Lord, God of Elijah? But all throughout his ministry, William Branham would give fictional stories about Elijah or Elisha Stories that seemed vaguely familiar and similar to his own actions. And then he would promote himself by representation. Often subliminal messaging. Listen to this sermon. Gifts and callings are without repentance. 
He says, if I come confessing tonight that I had the spirit of an artist, you would expect me to do the work of an artist. You'd expect me to be able to catch the vision of a roaring sea and of things home, the sunset, if I had the spirit of an artist. He says, listen closely. If the spirit of some great artist come upon me like the spirit of Elijah. Elijah came upon Elisha. If the spirit of Elijah was on Elisha, he done what Elijah done. And if John the Baptist came on the spirit of Elijah, and he went forth, he was a wild man, and so forth, like the other two had. But when he comes, something like Elijah did, he run into the wilderness. And then John asked, is this, if this is the Messiah, he should look for another one. He came in that spirit. John Alexander Dowie was supposed to be the Elijah to William Branham's Elisha. And he was promoting himself as such. But the title of the sermon is very interesting. The entire sermon is self-promotion. Branham trying to impose the message to the minds of the people into their heads that he was the reincarnation of Elijah. But why without repentance? What did Branham do that needed repentance? Remember, this was before the two homosexual tape boys started following him around. He continues to go forward with subliminal messaging, giving the story of a woman that he claimed to have had a son with a sexually transmitted disease in Memphis, Tennessee. He says, and I looked around over the gate, and there hung a typical Aunt Jemima. Listen to that. A typical Aunt Jemima. She had, instead of, she had a man's shirt tied around her head. She was looking over the gate, and I was walking by, going down the street, looking, wondering where the Lord was leading me. She looked tears over her big, fat cheeks. She said, good morning, Parson. Listen to this. I said, howdy do, Auntie. Aunt Jemima, Auntie. It caught me. Parson. I turned around. I said, do you know me? She said, yes, sir. I said, do you know my name? How'd you know I was a parson? She said, parson. Did you ever? She said, did you ever hear about the Shunammite woman that had a baby by the Lord promised her the baby and the baby died? And I said, yes. She said, I was a woman that way and I promised the Lord I'd raise a baby for him. And the Lord gave me a husband and I a lovely boy. And said, parson, she he took the road that's wrong a few years ago. He got a dangerous disease, a venereal disease, and said it went so long on him we didn't suspect it. And said he's laying in the room dying. The doctors give him all kinds of shots. And said he can't get well. He's been unconscious since yesterday. The doctor was back here and said, look, for the worst at any time, there was no hopes for him. His blood was four plus and nothing could do for him at all. Said he's dying. I said, and said, I got down on my knees and I prayed and I prayed, Oh, Lord, said, I's a woman like the Shunammite. Where is you, Elijah? And I began praying and I prayed and prayed and said, This morning, just before daylight, said, Go stand at the gate. 1950 expectation. Notice the derogatory term. Typical Aunt Jemima. It's very obvious that William Branham was raised under the influence of Roy E. Davis, who was the Grand Dragon for the Ku Klux Klan. 
And that was about the most racist statement that could have possibly been made to an African-American. But then to call her auntie was a slap in the face. If William Branham really had the spirit of Elijah, he certainly would not have been racist. But notice the woman's words. In another insulting way of mimicking her voice, he says, as a woman like the Shunammite woman. And the woman was looking for Elijah, not Elisha. If this fictional story by William Branham were actually true, he would have had the spirit of Elijah and not been a racist man influenced by the Klan. He would have likely never been part of Davis's clan background anyway. And she seemed to have a knowledge of the scriptures. So the woman would have said, where are you, Elisha, not Elijah. But in Branham's fictional version of Elijah, or rather Elisha, the story was quite different than the Bible. By 1950, God was taken out of that story of the Shunammite woman. And the, the power was in Elijah, not Elisha's hands. Remember the part in the Bible where Elisha prayed unto the Lord. The part where the Lord is the object of worship instead of Elijah or Elisha. In Branham's fictional version, the Lord was completely taken out. He specifically says that Elisha, or rather Elijah, did not pray unto the Lord, even though the Bible says so. 1950, believest thou this. Elijah went with her to the death chamber and walked up and down the room, not praying for her baby. Why does he say that? Walked up and down the room and took and stretched his body over the baby. Lord God worked in Elijah, hallelujah, O Christians. You do not realize what I'm talking about. I don't believe, he says. He says, looky here, God was in Elijah, and Elijah knew it. The woman knew it. He laid, he knowed it. That's the reason he sent the staff. He knowed that everything that he touched was blessed. For God was in him. Oh my, see what I mean, God was in him. If he touched anything, it was blessed. Is that in the Bible? He didn't, Branham says this, specifically says this, he didn't pray for the baby. He's repeated it two times in this one paragraph. He stretched his body over the baby, and the God that was in Elijah, the breath came in the baby, and he sneezed seven times and rose up well. This, friends, is what we in the Christian faith call blasphemy. Forget self-promotion. Look at the fictional version of the story. It's a fictional version that takes God out of the story and focuses on a man. This is beyond blasphemy that is warned against in the book of Revelation. Do not add to, do not take away from. This is twisting the scriptures, twisting with the agenda of self promotion. As Christians, we should ask ourselves, why did we not see this when we were in the cult? Why did we not catch the racist statements that Branham made as he tried to promote himself into power? 
did we all want to be racist bigots? And when Branham called the Apostle Paul a hooked-nosed Jew, why did we not get up and walk out of the service? Are we bigoted against both Jews and African Americans? Why did we not see that the fictional story of Elijah did not match the Bible? When he taught several children around the world that Jezebel was stoned for just a little bit of paint, less paint than all of the text that's printed on the books and magazines by Voice of God Recordings, why did we not realize that scriptures say otherwise? If a little paint is worse than sacrificing your children to idols, then think of all the paint that's used by these books of fictional Bible stories that go around the world. Instead of painting for beauty, it's painting for idolatry, worship of a man. Don't you know and don't you want to learn more about the real story of Elijah and Elisha? It's actually a very interesting and exciting story, one that would make an excellent movie on the big screen. It has all the elements of another movie that would rival Lord of the Rings. Hundreds of sorcerers rising up in an evil cult with human sacrifice and pagan ritual and orgies and the entire nation taken captive by a cult that originated from Hercules. And one man, one simple man, with no power, overtaking an entire nation. And not even by his own doing. It was God. It would be one of my favorite movies. The forces of good against the forces of evil. And as in my favorite movies, the forces of good prevail. And the evil villainous is slain. Freeing an entire nation from the clutches of an evil cult. But she isn't slain because of a little tiny speck of paint near her eyeball. She is slain because she trapped an entire nation into the chains of bondage by a religious cult. Aren't you glad that you've been set free from the religious cult that once had you bound in chains? Don't you wish that God would send another Elijah to storm into the headquarters of Jeffersonville and condemn that idolatry? Thankfully, in this day and age, we are led by the Holy Spirit. And it is the Holy Spirit that speaks to our hearts instead of the prophets. Otherwise, the paint that is used to print those books with these unbiblical fiction stories just might be a problem.